So, we are in the series Family Matters, where we're kind of talking about some keystone habits as it relates to your most important relationship here on this earth. And we're trying to figure out some of these key things that we learn about in the Bible and from the different apostles and stuff that talk about these things. And we spent some time talking about, you know, a couple weeks ago we talked about how we got to have a life that's centered on God, right? That if your marriage is centered on anything else, that it's not going to work. It's just simply not going to function in the right way. Uh, we talked about how your, your spouse needs to be the most important earthly relationship to you, not your kids. Your spouse has to be the most important earthly relationship with your kids coming in at a solid third place. You know what, Rob, I think this mic is messed up. If you can just bring me a handheld, I'll switch over to a handheld or somebody run me up one of the handhelds because I think this cord's busted. But um, that's why you guys are getting that thumping. But anyway, so we talked about week one. We talked about the, uh, the center, the, being centered on, you know, the right things, being centered on God and the solar system. We talked about what love is specifically. Thank you. All right, can you hear me now? Good. Hey, um, some of you guys remember that commercial. This is going to be strange. I don't know what to do with my other hand now. You guys seen that Talladega Nights? Like, you don't know? I don't know. I've never had to. I mean, I've done this before, but not like this. Um, okay, so you guys are going to have to pray for me. Uh, so anyway, we're, we're, we talked about, like, the importance of love and what it means. And then last week, we talked about the importance of submitting to one another, right, out of reverence for Christ. And we that one always makes us uncomfortable because the minute we go ahead and say, hey, I need to submit to my wife or submit to my husband, that means I have to say you first. That means I have to say your dreams, your hopes, your desires first. I have to say, you know what, well, how can I best serve you? How can I best love you? And all of a sudden, the relationship doesn't become what can I get out of it. The relationship shifts to what can I put into it. And that's game changing. That changes pretty much everything. And this week, we're going to talk about a very important thing, and we're going to talk about a keystone habit again, and we're going to do five weeks of these, and these keystone habits, if you just shift just a little bit and you're able to apply one of these, your life and your marriage will be better, or any of your romantic relationships will be better. But if you're able specifically to apply this one, you'll be able to communicate with your partner better. Now, I don't want to see a show of hands, but how many people would feel better if you could communicate with your partner a little bit better? It's important. In fact, communication is so important, it's key to survival, okay? And it's key to survival because um, I got a couple animals here, and they communicate in a very interesting way, okay? So sperm whales, they, they communicate through clicks and echolocation. That's neat. I think we all pretty much knew that. Um, African elephants, I don't know whether you knew this, you know how they communicate with one another? It's not with their trunks or anything else. They vibrate at each other at 20 hertz, and too low for us to even detect, but they can hear it 175 miles away, and that's how they communicate inside of their little groups. And then white rhinos, and this is probably the one that struck me the most, white rhinos have communal dung heaps, where it's kind of like a community bulletin board, where they kind of go check the, the communal dung heap, and they go, I wonder what Ralph has to say today. Oh, okay, he's, he had too much corn the other night, right? And then... And, Okay, um, come on, we're in church. You shouldn't say things like that. Anyway, um, so you see, c communication is key. It, it is just so important to the survival of animals, and it's important to the survival of your relationship. Being able to communicate with your spouse is so, so important. Now, let me stop you right here. For all you men 
okay? That just sit back and go, hey, you know what? I just do whatever she says, and I'm happy wife, happy life. While that last part is true, you still need to communicate with her. You still need to communicate and tell her how you're feeling. You go, I don't have feelings, Brandon. You probably do somewhere down in there if we dig around a little bit. And you got to recognize that communication is key to your relationship. It is so important because the relationship is a give and take. So communicating is so very important, very, very important. And not all communication is good communication, right? Because I'm sure you didn't start your marriage and you didn't set out to make sure you argued. And the way you argued right now is the way you want to argue when you started your marriage. I'm sure you didn't set out with the idea of losing your cool and throwing things in the house when you get mad and you two are communicating. I'm sure that you didn't start out your marriage with the idea of saying those things to him. I'm sure that you didn't start out your marriage with the idea of hiding your emotions because you didn't want to actually let her in because if you let her in, then maybe she'll hurt you, right? And all these things, we don't set out with these goals, but sometimes they just happen over time. Sometimes the things that we don't communicate or the things that we do communicate hurt us and hurt our spouse. And see, here's the thing. This happened to me when I was, um, when I was, a, little, when I was a little younger. Me and Leah had a uh, relationship where we would just tell each other the truth all the time. And it didn't matter what else was said there. You just heard the truth. Because we were like, we are truthful people. Don't bring it up here. I'm going to tell you the absolute truth every time. How many of you guys know the truth is not always useful? How many of you know the truth ain't always helpful? Right? I don't need to hear some things that are true. She doesn't need to hear some things that are true. Just because it's true doesn't mean it's helpful. We had to learn that the hard way. And some of us still spend our life that way, just saying like, hey, well, it's true. Well, yeah, sure, okay, it's true. But is it actually helpful? And again, you didn't set out your relationship to be this way. None of us do. We set it out, and you probably have an exact way that you were going to communicate. You have it listed out. We were going to communicate A, B, C, and D. We were going to sit down and talk our problems out. We were going to go to the kitchen table every night, and we were going to talk about the things that made him mad, and we'll talk about things that made me mad. And you guys had it figured out. But then you get married, and you add kids to the mix, and you add work to the mix, and you add everything else, and all of a sudden, those principles that you would love to have involved aren't there anymore. And so we're going to talk about just one singular keystone habit today that will help you communicate just a little better. And we're going to be taking that from Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. Now, he loved the church in Ephesus. In fact, he planted it. It was one of his favorite churches. This was one of the first letters he wrote also. And as he's sitting here, he's trying to get them to understand they need to leave the pagan community in the belief system of the pagan community behind. Because back in those days, there was a lot of Christian mix and matching. Okay, there was a lot of like, well, I follow Jesus, but Apollo's pretty dope in the way they worship, so I want to go to that church or that temple, but then, I mean, I follow Jesus on Monday through Friday, right? And Paul's like, hold on, you can't do that. You can't mix and match things. That's not the gospel. That's not the true gospel, so you've got to stay firm on what Jesus talks about. And now, this is not the sermon, but some of us do the same thing today. Maybe it's not Apollo, but maybe something else does indeed, you know, kind of push you off your worship just... A little bit. So the apostles writing in order to get everybody to understand, no, you cannot mix and match these two things. And he, he starts to emphasize like, hey, you left this behind, but don't go back to it. Okay. You can't bring that stuff with you. It's not along for your journey. You're supposed to be an entirely new creation. In fact, in Ephesians 4, which is where we're going to come out of some today, 
The first half of Ephesians 4, the apostle is talking all about the things that they were. You were this. You used to do this. You used to behave this way. This is what he describes as your old self or the old being before Christ. This is what you used to do, how you used to function, how you used to live. These are the things you used to say. You used to worship, all this stuff. And then he gets to verses 24 and 25, and that kind of acts like the crux of the thing. It kind of becomes the, the pivot point for him. And he says, no, 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 this is what you used to do. This is the way you used to function. This is the way you are to function. Now, for some of us, we bring our bad habits and our issues from our past into our current relationship, Jesus or not. And the apostle is almost saying, like, no, 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 it all needs to be left behind. Your pagan worship, the way you used to handle things, the way you used to behave, the way you used to talk to her, the way you used to handle things with him, the way you used to say it, you need to leave all that behind. And that's why I say counseling is so valuable, because then you, don't, you actually get to identify the things that you brought with you along for the ride. And you kind of get to work through that so you're not making sure it's not involved here. But the apostle says, look, you got to leave all the old behind and bring in all the new. So here we go. We're going to bring in all of the new. And in verse 25, he makes the distinction. You're a new thing. Then he continues with where we're going to start today. So starting Ephesians 4, verse 26, you've heard this one before. In your anger, do not sin. So he's, he's instructing the, the entire general church, which if you take what he gave the general church and you apply it to your marriage, your marriage will just be better. And he says, look, in your anger, church, do not sin. Just don't sin. In your anger, don't sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Now, he's doing this as a warning. In fact, he's quoting Psalm 4. That's the first part of that. And in your anger, do not sin. It's a paraphrase of Psalm 4. And listen, you are going to be angry in your marriage. Somebody say amen. Oh, yeah, don't say it. Somebody over here was like, you shh. Don't you say that. I mean, you're going you're gonna to get angry in your marriage. If you're not married yet and you ain't angry yet, you ain't spent enough time around him yet. That's just the way it is. They're going to say things. They're going to do things. They're going to do things that drive you bonkers. Case in point, when I used to do the dishes, I still do the dishes. I shouldn't have said used to. I still do the dishes, okay? I still do the dishes, but I behave differently because I used to put the knives sticking straight up because to me, they go wherever, you know, in one of the little cubbies, right? And it's knife up because that's the dirty part that's got to get washed real good, Right? And that was obvious, it was a point of contention for me and my wife, because she says, Brandon, if I cut my hand on that, I'm going to cut you. And it's like, okay, we can adjust this. Maybe that wasn't the healthiest communication, but we got it across, right? So the apostle says, in your anger, do not sin. And then the next part's always like, it got me confused, because I would sit back for the longest time, I would sit back and think like, you couldn't be angry. You know, like I couldn't go to bed angry. And if I went to bed angry, everything was messed up. So I would try to solve problems at night, and it just never worked. Okay, it worked occasionally. But the apostle's really given a warning. He's saying, look, when you communicate with people, you are going to get angry. With your spouse, with your boss, with the people you spend time with, you're going to get angry with your kids. Okay? It's going to happen. But he says, in your anger, don't sin. So what he means is, when you're angry... Don't hurt them because you're angry. 
He says, when you're angry, you've got to decide what you're going to say next. When you're angry, don't say that thing that you know will send her to the moon. Don't say that thing that you know will make him go nuclear. Okay? Don't, the apostle says, look, if you are going to have a relationship with anybody, in your anger, you're going to be angry. Okay, it's, just a, it's a given. Don't sin. And we've talked about sin before. Sin is anything that hurts you or hurts God or hurts those around you. So if it's going to do one of those things, if you're going to say something to your wife just to get a dig in, you're going to say something to your husband just to let him know exactly how you feel, and that is not, surprise, healthy communication. It's just not. And the apostle's given us a warning here. And again, I used to read this, and I used to think like, oh, okay, well, that means I can't go to bed when I'm angry, which doesn't help when you're angry, and they're angry, and you try to not be angry at each other, and talk it out, but you both are still angry, and it creates like an anger firestorm. It kind of runs through the house, and then you sit back and go, oh, I'm so angry. It just doesn't work, and this is what the apostle's trying to say. This is what he means. Don't hold on to a grudge. Don't hold on to the bitterness. That's what he's trying to say. In all the commentaries, they say, look, he's not saying this is a hard, fast command. Like he's saying, no, you can't let it hold on to you because the next verse is what he says, don't give the devil a foothold. You don't want him messing in your marriage, so don't hold on to that thing and not forgive and let go. You can still be angry. You can still go to bed and go, man, I am so mad at her, but I'm going to make sure that we're going to work this out tomorrow. This isn't the end of it. This isn't this. This is, this is, we are going to work this out. And you have to set in your head, and this is so difficult. But you have to set in your head when you're angry that you are going to communicate when you are able to do it. Because the last thing you want to do is, as the apostle says, in your anger, sin. Because some of the things you say right then and there will hurt her or hurt him, and you can never take those words back. You just simply can't. You can try, and I'm sure that you have a very forgiving spouse and a very forgiving you know, wife or a very forgiving husband, but at the end of the day, you can't take those words back. Once it's said, it's said. The damage is done, and the trust is broken. My great-grandfather was a preacher, and he used to have an illustration that I didn't even see because he was dead by the time I was born, but the church talked about it all the time that I grew up in. They had a carpet on the floor, and he would take, when he tried to explain words, he would take a thing of, of salt he would take it and he would spread it out in the rug. And he would say, now go try to pick up every one of those grains or, or granules of salt. That's what your words are like. And when you communicate and you decide to say something harsh and in your anger you turn it over and you just let your temper get the best of you and you say that thing you know you shouldn't or that thing that you regret the next day just as much as you did when you said it. When that happens, you can never get it back. And the relationship is damaged. That's why the apostle says, don't give the enemy a foothold. Don't hold on to a grudge. Don't hold on to bitterness. You can be frustrated, but you can set the goal, look, I forgive her, I forgive him. We're going to figure this out. I'm going to process this in my own mind, and we're going to be able to communicate and make this better tomorrow. And then he gives the ultimate communication ethic. I mean, this is the one where you should just apply this to every area of your life, not just with your spouse. Of course, if you apply it with your spouse, your life's going to be better. 
But this is the thing he says, look, as Christians, this should transcend everything you say, everything you do, the way you behave. This is the one communication ethic, and this is going to be our keystone habit that we're going to learn about today. So we already learned, okay, in my anger, I'm not going to sin, and I'm allowed to be angry, and that's going to happen. That's just the way it is. No problem there. But what happens next is up to you. And what, and what the apostle's about to say is something that we have to apply to our lives. And again, if you are a Jesus follower, this isn't really an option, right? If you're a Jesus follower, this is kind of expected because this is with the same stuff that Jesus taught. Um, but if you're not a Jesus follower and you're like, I don't know about all this, I'm just kind of hanging out because my friends are here, or I'm hanging out because my wife drugged me, or my husband drugged me, or whatever, I just want to encourage you just to give this a try. Don't hear it from the Apostle Paul's mouth, just hear it from one of those really wise proverb books then. And just see if maybe it won't make your life a little bit better. At least make your relationships better. But if you're a Jesus follower, this is non-negotiable. This is what we're expected to do. This is the way we're expected to behave. Now, he's speaking about all relationships here. But when you apply this to your marriage, you can see why it's so, so powerful. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now listen, the world is going to do an excellent job of tearing your husband down. It is. The world's going to do an excellent job of tearing your wife down. It just is. It's going to do an excellent job. In fact, it doesn't even, it just isn't going to happen naturally. You're responsible, you're responsible for building up your spouse, not tearing them down. And when you hear the apostle's words that he started with, when he says, look, in your anger, do not sin, this all makes a lot more sense. That when I communicate with my wife, I don't need to tear her down. That doesn't mean I don't give her criticism when she asks me for it, and that doesn't mean I don't try to make her better, but I'm not going out with the purpose of trying to tear her down including when we argue. And for so many of us, this sounds great in, in, you know, here on Sunday morning. But it sounds and seems totally different on Tuesday evening when you're arguing about something. It seems totally different when he said that thing that you know he, he knows not to say, or he did that thing that he knows he shouldn't have done. And then you have the option, and I have the option, and we have the option to decide how we respond. Because listen, again, the world is going to do an excellent job of tearing him down at work. It's going to do a great job of tearing her down at work. And by the time you get your spouse at the end of the day, they're exhausted. They've been working all day. They've been taking care of kids all day. They've been doing stuff all day. And that's the last time and the last moment in which you need to tear them down. The apostle says that you are to build one another up. Instead of making a withdrawal, the way I like to think about it, make a deposit. Instead of coming home and taking an emotional withdrawal, you need to build them up. Because that's your only responsibility when it comes to communicating with your spouse. I mean, yes, you need to talk about your problems, you need to do all that. But you only do it from the position of building them up, not tearing them down. But again, that is easier said than done, isn't it? I mean, you're probably like, man, Brandon, that's so good that you and your wife and you guys don't ever argue or fight or anything like that. Like, no. Absolutely we argue. Absolutely we fight. 
And we don't always get this right either. We, we, certainly we don't always get this right. And as we spend more time trying to be more like Jesus and spend more time trying to be more like God and learning from him, it gets a little simpler. It gets a little easier. You see the red flag. You go, whoop, temperature's going up in the room. Well, I probably need to go ahead and behave. I need to just recognize that this is the moment where I'll say something that's going to tear her down, or this is the moment when I'm going to say something that's going to tear him down. It's not beneficial. It's nothing. It is simply shot from the point of me, not from the point of building them up. And let's be honest, this is just the way the world says it's okay to be. And then when you expand this into your other relationships, it changes everything. But this is the way the culture and the world says it's okay to be. You say whatever you want. You say what's on your mind. You say it because it's true, right? It's not necessarily helpful. It's just simply true. And again, we're not called to do that. That's not what Jesus told us to do. So the apostle says, you know, you got to build each other up. But then me and Leah started talking. I was like, you know, what are some of the reasons we don't build each other up? What are some of the reasons that we just, you know, because it, was, it wasn't just a passive. Like, the apostle's words are not just passive. You know, just hang out and don't say anything mean. That's not what he said. He said, no, you build them. Not like you don't destroy them. Like, it's not the bottom line, you know, it's not the bottom bar. He said, no, 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 instead of destroying, you build. You add. You add value to them. And one of the biggest things her and I talked about that made me realize is a lot of time, life is busy. So since life is so busy, we don't put the emphasis on our spouse. And before you know it, you're not building her up, you're not building him up, you're not necessarily tearing them down, but you certainly aren't building anything. You're just kind of there, you kind of exist, you guys are kind of hanging out together, you know, you like each other, you watch TV together, but you're not really building one another up. And the, the litmus test for this is do you feel like they're your biggest fan? I mean, honestly, because you should. And it's going to take some time to get there, but you should feel like, hey, no matter when the chips are down, my wife, she's behind me. Or when, when the chips are down, my husband, he's behind me. We're in this together. And if you don't feel that way, then there's too many things that haven't been built up. The apostle just says that you've got to build them up according to their needs. And again, life is busy. Brandon, come on, we got soccer practice. Brandon, come on, i got to get the kids to jiu-jitsu. Brandon, i got to get the kids to wrestling. Come on, i got to get the kids over here. i got to get the kids over there. I mean, I, gotta get, I don't get off work till 6, right? And then i got to get the kids ready. i got to get them in bed. And I mean, then i got, you know, the rotary in the evening, or i got Leadership Fredericksburg, or i got, I got this, i got that. And, you know, you could come up here, and I bet that if I gave you a whiteboard and a marker, you could write all the things down that you got to do, and we would all be like, wow, he's so, she's so busy. Let me tell you, busy is the enemy of building something meaningful in your relationship. When you become too busy for your spouse, you are too busy, and you need to cut something out. Well, Brandon, all this has to get done. Sure, if you want to stay married to your spouse, I'm telling you right now, you've got to cut something out. You've got to start cutting back so that you can build them up. Because if you don't, it's just going to become destitute. And yeah, you're not tearing anything down, but if they don't feel like you love them, if your husband doesn't feel like you're with them, if your spouse and your wife doesn't feel like she's, that you're with her, then that's going to cause a problem. And it's not going to happen right away, but it's going to happen slowly over time. Because again, people around them are going to tear them down. 
That's going to happen. One of your responsibilities is to build them up. And he says, do what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. According to their needs, not according to yours. So your, your needs come second. This, again, goes into the whole, you know, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's the you first mentality. It's when she comes home and drops her purse on the ground and says, you know what, I just had such a hard day. Instead of immediately firing off and going, yeah, me too, man. I had blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. You sit down and you go, hold on. Um, I'm, I'm sorry you had that day, honey. What happened? And you talk, you let her talk through it. Then you build her up along the way. And that's doing the same thing for him. It's building them up according to their needs, not according to yours. And this also is the unselfish approach, and this communicates something to them. It communicates that I'm with you. It communicates you can trust me. It communicates what you're going through is valuable to me. And it communicates that you are valuable to me because I want to see how I can help you through it. This is why the apostle is so clear when he says, that only what is helpful for building others up. And again, this is truly groundbreaking in your marriage. This is. If you can apply this one thing and just say, you know what, I am going to start building my husband up. I'm going to start building my wife up. If you can just apply that one keystone habit, that's it. And just say, you know what, I am going to make it an effort to build them up. I'm going to build them up. It will change your marriage. It truly will. It truly will. It will totally and completely change your marriage. And then you get to have fun with it also. Because me and Leah have a lot of fun with this. Where if she says something that's like some rude, smart aleck comment, I know you don't think she says things like that. Somebody knows her real well because they're laughing in the back. But she'll say something like that, and I'll be like, wow, really good. Thanks for building me up. <laughs> and we have fun. And it, but it's also does, it, it does make you stop and think, well, hold on. Have I built her up today? Like, have I gone out of my way to build her up? Or am I just talking about my problems and my issues and my, my stuff? It makes you think. If you can just apply that one thing to your marriage, and then this is, this is, this is free, okay? This is just free. Try it with your kids. Try it with your kids. Try building your kids up. Because, again, the world is going to tear them down. That doesn't mean you ignore their problems. That doesn't mean you don't criticize them. That's not what that means. It means that you simply have a, a distinct effort to build them up when the world tears them down. Not that you're not going to say anything, not that you're going to let it run or the mill stuff. It means that you're going to go out of your way to build them up when you know that they need it according to their needs, if we're going to use the apostles' words, according to their needs. And again, Let's be honest, it's an, it's, it's an emotional drain to do this sometimes. It takes a lot of time, takes a lot of effort, but I'm telling you, it is oh so worth it. Building somebody up, particularly your, other, your significant other, is so undervalued in today's culture. In fact, I wouldn't be standing here if it wasn't for somebody who built me up my whole life. My Aunt Charlotte, she was 83 when she went to go be with the Lord. She built me up every chance she got. Now, I have never met a sanctified person, but I think she's pretty close. 
She, she would go out of her way all of the time to speak words of encouragement over me, to build me up in those moments when I was down. She would, she would insert herself and spend her emotional equity trying to help me when my mom and dad got divorced. And then when dad started running off with all these women and I wasn't sure what to do because I was seven and eight years old, you know who was there? My Aunt Charlotte. And she would consistently, consistently, consistently care for me. She would build me up. She would pour into me and help me become the person that I am today because I knew when the chips were down, when it hit the fan, I could talk to her. She was in my corner. Now, she may tell me the truth. She may tell me some things that I know I needed to hear. She may not always tell me exactly what I needed, but she built me up in such a way that it's a big reason that I'm standing here today. Because I doubt without her I would even do this. Because you guys heard me say, pastor was not on the job application when I got out of the Marine Corps. It wasn't one of the ones I was looking at. But if it wasn't for her, I'm not sure that I would even be here today. So, going forward this week, I want you to focus, just focus on this one keystone habit. Every week we talk about these keystone habits we're going to start applying to our life. I want you to take this one, build up your spouse, build up your spouse. You're the only person that's going to, though everything else is going to tear them down. Everything else is going to tell him how he's not good enough. Everything else is going to tell her how she's never going to make it, except you. You have the capability, and you have the privilege and the unique position to do that. So, I want you to spend time this week. Maybe you should praise them for the work that they've done in the house. Say thank you for doing the dishes. You go, why should I have to say thank you? They dirty dishes too. Well, yeah, but it shows you appreciate them. Appreciate them when they do something that they're supposed to do. Say, you know, honey, I really appreciate how much you did the laundry this week. I really appreciate it. I know I don't say it a lot, but I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that you drop the kids off every, every day at school so that I can get to work on I'm just so thankful. I'm so grateful for you. Me and Leah will do this from time to time. Where, where, um, sometimes I look at her and we look at each other randomly. Um, when we're doing stuff with the church, and I go, man, I'm just, I'm so grateful that I get to do ministry with you. I'm so thankful that I get to do it with you. I don't have to say that. She doesn't have to say that to me. But when you do, it's building the other person up. It's pouring value in their lives. And believe it or not, your spouse is actually the person that had their words, your words, weigh the most with in this whole world. You don't recognize it. But your spouse is waiting to hear you build them up. Your spouse is waiting to hear you say, I appreciate you. Thank you. That's what they're waiting to hear. So again, do you think your marriage would be better if you spent more time trying to build up? Do you think your life would be better? Do you think your mom and dad's relationship would have been better if they spent more time trying to build each other up? So this week, build something. Build something. Set it out now. Set the goal now. Decide this week at least once every day. Just once a day, okay? If you count out the days between now and then and you include next Sunday, that's seven, okay? Just try it. 
say one thing, make sure you have one thing that you're like, you know what, I'm going to build her up, I'm going to build him up this week. And you would be shocked at how much better your marriage is going to be. Because you're not interested in saying all about your problem. You're not interested trying to get the better. You're not interested trying to get the last word. You're trying to build them up according to their needs. So this week, build something. See if it doesn't change your marriage. See if it doesn't change those relationships that matter the most to you. Try it with your kids too. I dare you. See if it doesn't change. So with that, let's pray.